in a world in the year 2017 in a time of tradition in a city where anything can happen in a war that isn't his every day in new york city on the miami police force in the deep south Cyrus sends me Epstein memes to Instagram now. <laughs> He's like, hey, bro, I know you're not on Insta- Twitter anymore, so I'll send you this. And it's like all Epstein shit. <laughs> I'm like, thank yeah, you. We're, we're, we're going to start the episode on that. Uh, what's going on, everybody? It is Justin, and we're reporting live from the video store, a, a remote video store in the actual video the stores. The stores. We have different franchises. Dual location. Where it is all movies in, no movies out. It is late fees. We are back for our special Black Friday. Really black. Oh, it's black. It's black for sure. <laughs> I black Friday. That, that's that's epic. Uh, black Friday uh, episode. We're, we're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Denzel Washington. I'm Justin, of course, here with Cam, Patrick, Eric. Uh, we're, we're, we do this show so strangely. Sometimes we're all in the room and one person's gone. This time we're split by in two by region. <laughs> By race. I, uh, By race. <laughs> That's wild. Just, just as Malcolm X would have wanted for a, a period of his life. Yeah. This is uh, early 60s era Malcolm X's dream right now. Yeah. Segregation. Forcibly sent segregated uh, racial uh, components. This is really when I, I'm a big like denier that L.A. traffic is actually bad. But it's moments like these when uh, I really look foolish, and uh, <laughs> half of us are in Hollywood, and half of us are in Long Beach. Uh, of course, we love doing this show. We're, we're winding down the year. Me and Cam were just talking before we started recording about uh, we have to do our year end episode. I didn't even that's not on the calendar, and I don't think we even thought about it. I think our year end episode came. We it's uh, it was our half. It was our half. mid January episode because a lot of those movies. We need more time to see. Uncut Gems? Uh, Uncut Gems, I still would be surprised if it unseated Once Upon a Time or Irishman. Yeah, I oh, yeah, I forgot to watch Irishman. I'm- yeah, you guys can do it at midnight. We're watching, me and Drew are watching it tomorrow. We're going to watch it tomorrow. Man, it's so good. I'm going to watch it just as Scorsese intended over six days, 30 minutes apiece. <laughs> Uh, on my phone while I'm on vacation with my girlfriend. Excuse well, me. I mean, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a three hour movie on the, on today's episode. That's right. That I, I had to watch literally in chunks because I was trying to watch this movie at night and I've been falling asleep really it's early. Tough. Listen, I always always am talking about how I love the short movies. In fact, I'm about to endorse one that I think has been previously endorsed on the show, but. I got to say, literally all my favorite movies and, like, the best movies I saw this year were long as fuck. Yeah. Like, even the ones on my list of, like, movies that aren't from this year but I just hadn't seen them before, all the best ones, like Malcolm X, uh, Boys in the Hood, Eyes Wide Shut, they're all, like, fucking two and a half, three hour long movies. Oh, my God. Uh, before we get to our topic of discussion today, 
uh, we're going to do What Did You Watch? Our favorite segment. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say like that? I, I mean, you know, I'm trying to add a little bit more. It's been a long day. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm, I'm about to have to cook for a whole calendar day. So uh, I'll start off this week, this this episode with what did you, what did you watch? Um, I watched Doctor Sleep. That was the biggest movie I saw over the past two weeks. Okay, really, really enjoyed Doctor Sleep. Um, I I I know that it flopped terribly. In fact, when I went to go see it, the movie's so long they're only doing like four showings a day now. How long it's, is it? It's two hours and forty five minutes. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's the long movie renaissance. It's happening, baby. Except fuck it too. Um, it's better than it too. It's by, and I think that it may have creeped into my top ten. I'm not gonna lie. You you aren't the only person I know though that's saying that they've enjoyed this movie a lot. Like the it's, people that I know that have seen it, yeah, have said it's really good. The performances, man, it's all about that. Like I don't think the plot is particularly amazing, but the callbacks to The Shining, even the movie, are like second to none. Like I think it's really enjoyable. I Pat, I think you more than anyone really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You guys. I love you and McGregor. I'm excited to see it when I when I eventually do. I do. I love you and we. we you know, we look kind of similar. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also saw Bride of Reanimator, which uh is a. Is that one of your faves? Reanimator is Bride of Reanimator is not. It was my first time seeing. <laughs> it. it was my first time seeing it. They put it on Shutter a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got it. Shutter. I love Shutter. Okay. Um, I'm gonna try and go for a Shutter uh, sponsorship for this show. They're they're great. I love them. At least gets to get us some shirts. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I I didn't enjoy that one. I mean, less said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> it, it, just, it was just a lazy sequel. But I, I think Doctor Sleep definitely a winner. Definitely creeped into it. If not my top fifteen, my top ten. And I'm I'm really being serious here. I really enjoyed this movie. That's great. Yeah, I, the few people that did see it that I talked to really fucking loved it. It was like sort of had that same effect of um, Crawl. Like yeah. people went in to expect us to tune out and wound up really engaging with it and being like a uh, 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 sleeper hit. Doctor Sleep, Doctor Sleeper. Hit. Uh, what about you, Eric? What, you, what have you What have you watched? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> no, um, I usually have I for as jaded and cynical as I can be. Like I think I might mainly give good reviews on this podcast. <laughs> Which is like something that hit me after the Apatow episode last month or last the other week. Love that episode. Thanks for the love on that one as well. Yeah, we got some uh, from my burner account. I noticed some good feedback on Twitter. I watched Late Night, which I went in expecting to love. Late Night is the Mindy Kaling, uh, Emma Thompson, um, late night comedy, uh, feminist dramedy yeah. comedy that came out. Um, yeah. It was like. The biggest purchase at Sundance back in February, and it was supposed to be this huge hit. Amazon acquired it, and it kind of just like disappeared. It was like uh, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl level of like mm. fading to fading to black kind of thing. And like I still had high hopes about it. it has a strong cast, and and um, like Ike Barinholtz is in it, and um, obviously Emma Thompson is a is a force. But like, my God, it it, it is <laughs> it is like impressive how. Monument monumentally it fails like <laughs> it obviously ha has some salient points to make about sexism in the workplace and the myth of meritocracy and all this shit and <clears throat> just like how hard it is to have upward mobility and especially in comedy like the boys club of comedy if you're a woman especially a, a woman of color but like 
it becomes like this weird like centrist fantasy to like have Amy Klobuchar as like the new Stephen Colbert. Like she's an abusive boss, but yet we're still supposed to empathize with her. But like it's it, it when I watched it, I was like, this is what Adam Carolla and Tim Allen think what feminism is. Like it is like <laughs> it almost felt like a parody of itself. It became like self-satirizing at a point. I was like, it, did, it didn't look particularly funny or really interesting to me. I, I saw the the trailer ahead of uh, I think Terminator or something like that, or, or some some that I saw a couple of week, a couple of months ago, and I was like, man, they still make movies like this. Yeah, well, that was the thing. It was supposed to be like this callback to like the early aught studio comedy, but with from a, from a feminist perspective. And like, there are some pretty sharp, you know, moments about you know just like the boys' club of comedy, like I said, and yeah, just like entrenched sexism and tokenism. And racism and um, in the workplace, no matter what field you're in. But like, and it's terrible to say, but like Ike Barinholtz, the one the one guy in this like female driven comedy is the best part of it. Like he plays like a Dane Cook kind of like male chauvinist. up, You know, he's really good at that. And like he represented like the foil and like the the grotesque like masculinity of, of comedy. And like, but at, after like the second act, I was like, what? This thing is falling apart. Like it looked like some obviously probably like a man and like you know a male executive like cut it to shreds and like it doesn't feel like a cohesive movie it's really weird so i'm bummed out about that and um other than that i've just been catching up on tv bojack horseman and um uh, uh watchman yes uh we're I'm, let let's let's hold off on watchman I know, two, two episodes in a row we've had to put a pin and watch yeah we gotta put a pin have a camera you caught up i'm not I caught to, up i need to watch the last two episodes i'm not caught up at all, so I was crazy. This is the most fun I've had watching a TV show in a while. Hundred percent. I'm telling you, best show on television in years. It's not an understatement. Yeah. And this is Pat here. This is Pat talking. Like I've been hearing like a lot, a lot, a lot of people have been saying a lot of positive stuff about this past week's episode. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. When I get back to the crib tonight, I'll probably catch up. I heard people cry to this episode. Like it's it's an intense episode. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, in, in like a, in a, in a lot of ways, it's intense, and I mean, it's it, it, least of I'm mean, not least of which it's it's intense even in terms of like production, like how they shot and edited and processed the whole thing. It's it's wild. Um, but let I me mean, like Cam said, like this is it's so fun to watch, and not only is it really like the show itself is really good, like the acting and the writing and the VFX, everything is very quality. Yeah. But it's also a total blast to watch. Yeah. And it's, it highlights how rare that really is that, like, you're just watching it and you just feel like you're mainlining something totally awesome and that never happens anymore. Yeah. I, it feels like I've never seen anything quite like it on TV, just like tonally and even aesthetically. There's some interesting, create like, art direction going on that, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but that. Two two weeks ago, the um, uh, what's Timmy Timmy Blake Nelson's character? Uh, the looking, looking, glass, glass, looking glass, like the Looking Glass centric episode. Just like we finally get to see some um, one of the legendary aspects of Watchmen. Yeah, and like as as a non comic book reader, someone who doesn't you know really invest in the mythos, like this fucking it knocked. It, it made my my girlfriend doesn't watch it. She started watching from the beginning after like peeking over my shoulder and watching that episode. So. It's converting non-believers. You need to get on Euphoria. Yeah, that'll be like an end of the year watch. I'll probably binge it sometime in December. Man, I heard Euphoria is pro cop. <laughs> what? I know. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. 
That's that's the. That's I'm saying the, that about all shows now. Um, was that it? Yeah, that's it for me. Uh, Cam, what about you? Um, besides, of course, watching, watching, and trying to get caught up on it. I haven't been to the movies recently to see anything. I wanted to go see the Terminator movie, and you might as well just wait. For yeah, it. I might just wait. No, <laughs> it's out. Like, like I know it flopped, but I wanted to see that badly, but I just didn't have the time to get to the movie there to see it. Um. So actually, what I did recently, <laughs> recently, pretty funny. I watched Step Brothers again, like if that counts, like classic. It's a classic. It's a classic movie. I love watching it. And then, um, me and Drew were talking about we were trying to decide what like Christmas movies we were gonna watch or some shit. Yeah. Like we were having a classic debate is like Die Hard a Christmas film. I think Die, I think Die Hard falls in the Christmas movie category. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. I think we all agree with that. I think you're like a you're like on the wrong side of history at this point if you say it's not. Yeah, so I think me and Drew both agreed that it was a, a Christmas film, and so we were just trying to decide what movies, we were, like what Christmas movies, we were gonna fuck around and watch this year. You gotta watch a Christmas Story. That's my favorite. That's Christmas why I said Christmas Story is undisputed. That and Home Alone, I feel like, are the top two. Iron Man three. <laughs> I may have talked about this last year, but uh, Ralphie's dad in a Christmas Story is Incel. <laughs> might be, but the uh, his dad is one of my favorite portrayals of a dad in a movie ever. Yeah, he is capital D dad, like the most dad character. Yeah, ever. it's so good. Uh, Pat, finally. Oh, uh, I know other people have said this was good already. Uh, after we expressed some doubts about it, but uh, Caitlin and I watched Good Boys a few days ago, and oh. I gotta tell you, it was pretty funny. Uh, I expected just to be tuning out and playing Pokemon while it was on, but uh, <laughs> it was funny. All three of the boys are good. The whole cast is pretty good. Is it Tremblay as one of the boys? Yeah, and you oh, know sure. he's the worst, so <laughs> it's, the movie's pretty good. Uh, the supporting cast is good and brief, uh, just like the movie. Uh, they don't try to make, like, sixth grade or whatever into something it's not. Uh, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Avatar episode, where even though they still don't have it quite right, thanks to Freaks and Geeks and those Avatar movies, they really did push the uh, realistic school thing in the right direction. It was a little bit like 21 Jump Street, too. So, yeah, it was it was a blast. It's, it's a good, like, you know, watch it at home over the holidays if your family's cool. All right. Let's get into it. Denzel, friggin' Washington. Um, Denzel is, is a very interesting actor. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of like black actors that you come up you come up with like when I was younger, I don't know if Cam is the same. Like my mom used to say Denzel was like my uncle. He was like my he was like my dad. It wasn't quite it wasn't quite that in my household, but like I, I think every everybody in my family reveres Denzel Washington. I think he's yeah. definitely revered. He can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. That's the best way to put it. He's he's like our actor Jordan. One hundred percent. That is that is one hundred percent. He's the Michael Jordan of 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 our, of, of our actors, and, and I and I know well, like he has he has the true the same mark of fame that Michael Jordan has, which is that he's famous to people who've never even if you've never seen a Denzel Washington movie, he's still maybe the first movie star you would name. Yeah, I mean um, Denzel Washington, Tom Cruise, like that's it. He's fucking famous. And this is like a really very weird full circle moment for for this episode as well. Uh, Spike Lee returns to late fees as well. Yeah, back in the fray. Yeah, back in the attack at the end of a movie again. 
uh, and I think that it's it's awesome that we we, we touched on a lot of of of, um, of Spike Lee, but I went back and listened to it. We purposely did not touch on Malcolm X because we we it's very weird. Go back and listen. We somehow knew we were going to do this episode. Uh, I remember the conversation pretty specifically. That we were we had to we had to leave some things off just for the future. And and we're, we're it's funny that we've done this show for so long, nearly two years uh, next year, that we are at mm. a point where uh, we're at a point where we're actually kind of. We're, we're, we're connecting the dots between um, actors and directors and, and franchises that we're going to be reviewing and talking about. Yeah, self-referentialism is here. Uh, so we were tasked to do two movies. I went off. I went completely off script. I'm just going to tell you guys that. That's. I mean, there are a lot of movies, and you've still seen the anchoring movies. Yeah, I've seen the movies, but I said from the beginning we need to do the Equalizer too. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you want about the equalizer listen the first no one, one is great i haven't seen the second no one wanted to, to watch it you guys ignored me when i said no. watch the equalizer. i think everyone endorsed the first one except me who hasn't seen it you've never seen the first equalizer you're wild no I, I i rent i have paid to rent it on amazon because i thought i'd have time to before the episode so i will be watching it this week it's very watchable it's, it's just uh the silliness of anton antoine fuqua shines bright uh, but silly, but Equalizer Two is a whole nother ball game. Hey, Equalizer Two. Well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> uh, we're doing two movies today, Malcolm X, and I guess it's like a potluck or whatever Denzel movie we watched. Yeah, I watched Training Day. I thought that was what we landed on. Training Day is a pretty good. Like it has pretty. Like he is the opposite of Malcolm X in Training Day in a lot of ways. Like in terms of like just character motivation. But it's very similar, like charisma and like commandeering, uh, like presence. He's like oh, a yeah. larger than yeah. life presence. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Cam. No, I was like, I was gonna say, I was surprised. Like Training Day wasn't on the docket of like the movies that we were required I've to watch. Seen Training Day so I much. have to. I have to. Like, <laughs> but you can think like we have to talk about it just because it's such a reference point. I mean, he won an Oscar. Yeah, he won his. He won his first best, only best actor. actor. Wayne, isn't he? Yeah, his only one. Yeah. He, he could have won for Fences, but they was hating. Um, he should have won for Malcolm X. Who won for Fences? Came out? Churchill? No way. I think so. I think that was the same. Yeah. Oh. Or was it or was it the guy who played Stephen Hawking? Was that the same? Uh, what's his name? Eddie Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne. Was that who won it? That no, year? I think that was the year before. The year before? Okay. I think I'm just going off of what I think. Uh, but the first movie we're gonna we, we're gonna talk about is his second team up with Spike Lee, 1992. Um, oh, Manchester. Jesus Oof. Christ. Oof. What happened? It was no. Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, oh, which is man. a great movie. But whoa, buddy. Um, 1992's Malcolm X, starring Denzel Washington. I read a couple of reviews about this movie. A lot of people felt as though Denzel was miscast as Malcolm X here. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, he should, who should he have played? <laughs> the biggest, the biggest Justin, tell me if I'm wrong. The biggest contention I saw was that he was too dark-skinned. Yes, he was too dark-skinned for the role, not light enough. Um, They got a shitload of red in his hair, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it, it, I, I can say that's a fair criticism. I think that when you really squint... Like today, he doesn't really look much like him, but I get it. It's 1992. There were not a lot of us there. I'm going to be honest with you. I saw this movie when I was young, when I was like four, somewhere. Damn, age alert. Long time. 
I've been so watching really well. Certain angles, yeah, but if you if like head on, like straight up, like like the poster, he does not like the yeah. but the poster. The poster is iconic too, though. Like the poster was literally just the X. Yeah, yeah. Like never they, they had, had the DVD case below. Yes, yeah. They had merch with the X on it, yeah. the shirt with the X on mm-hmm. it. I saw it back in the day with the X. Eric wants. Eric has some controversial opinions here. What's that? Two things. I don't care whether the person portraying someone in a biopic looks like them. I think that's the least important part. Yeah. Uh, second, Mario Van Peebles and Michael Mann's Ali look way more like Malcolm X. And I think we need to be talking about that performance a lot more. Thank you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, He's incredible. I haven't seen that. Oh, man. So good. Is it good? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, is based on the autobiography, the autobiography Malcolm X by Alex Haley, the best book I've ever read. One of the best books I've ever read, too. And, and again, like, I don't know if this was, well, obviously not probably required for Eric and Pat. I love you guys, though. These two, th- this movie and that book were required in my household it to was, read. It wasn't much. It was, no, it wasn't this, they, in public schools... We read the autobiography. No, not, not in the freaky public school I went to. They are not... They teach you about Dr. King, and they just like the end of Malcolm X. They breeze over Malcolm X. They talk about <laughs> you spend like a week and a half, two weeks on MLK, and then Malcolm X is like a footnote, and they're like, "Yeah, he was kind of like he did some stuff. He was kind of crazy, and yeah. like that's like that's it." Well, yeah, he. he I read it in pri- in public school, and I'm you know reading it as an adult a couple times. You know, obviously as I've become a much smarter person. Um, but yeah, Malcolm Malcolm represented sort of like this boogeyman to white America where you see how MLK has been sanitized even by like mel- well-meaning liberals, even though they always whitewashed the part where MLK said the, the well-meaning liberal is the greater threat than actual <laughs> Republicans. But um, Malcolm X was like, even talked about in so- social circles or like hearing parents parents talk about him is like he was the real racist he brought black people back and like he was like the better noir to mlk's like respectable negro you know that's how he's that's the, that, the, the salieri yeah, of the uh of yeah. the civil rights movement that that's how he's talked about and you realize it's quite the opposite yeah he was far more radical but he was and right and rightfully more furious and had this righteous fury to him but, yeah, it, was, but, it, but it was justified but you know, in the movie, they had to portray it differently. And yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get to that um, in a second. Um, there was not only a a worry about Denzel Washington's portrayal of of, of uh, Malcolm X, but as as you know, as Eric has you know kind of alluded to, a lot of people were not happy with, with the way that Spike Lee portrayed Malcolm X in this movie. Wasn't wasn't he receiving like death threats or something at the yes. time? Yes, like, people this? people protested in Harlem while they were filming. The yeah, movie. while they were filming it. Yeah, that's what I remember. It like, was the nation protesting, right? Yes, it was because they were worried about uh, the portrayal and they didn't want him to focus too much on Malcolm X's life um, before he became Malcolm X. Which is a pretty lengthy part in the actual book. Oh my I mean, god! It's like the first hour and twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said it in our group chat the other day. I was like, he he doesn't get to prison until the uh, an hour in, and that first hour is very lengthy and filled with all types of and, and again, like the technical and visual flair of Spike Lee here is is on full force. I mean, the scene with the with the KKK, the scene where his his 
uh, where, where his father is, is on the uh, is on the ground and, and he's about to be ran over. Like these are scenes that are like very like effectual. Yeah, I mean they. It's one of the times when like the stuff that's in Spike's bag of tricks is very emotionally effective instead of like or sometimes when it's just like what wait what was that what did you just do but yeah. uh and that's always my fear as much as i think he's great and i love watching his movies my fear is always he's gonna veer like a little bit too far left but even the moments in this movie when it was kind of jarring didn't really take me out of it at yeah. all and the, honestly the thing that take the thing that takes me out of it is when uh I realized how much of the fucking movie Spike Lee was gonna be in. Yeah, yeah, he's in a lot. Yeah, well, he disappears after. No, after he's not bad either. I'm just like, oh, of course. Like, I thought he was gonna be in it for two seconds, and then he was like the OG best friend character. That's when it gets. That's when it veers to almost faints in, in the court, deflating all the goodwill that you know is in the first two hours of the movie, or whenever he does appear, hour and a half. But Spike. I, I wish every biopic felt this alive. Like this is the most like alive feeling biopic that I, I, I mean, i watched this years and years ago and I just forgot, but like, I, you know, I, I remember watching Selma, Ava DuVernay's biopic about, you know, the Edmonton, Edmonton, uh, Edmonton Pettus bridge. Uh, and I was just like, this rips because it, it does take creative flourishes with like the, the filmic elements of it, the, the cinematography and the rhythm and the music and, Watching Malcolm X was like, holy fuck, this movie is like, it, we don't talk about just how good it looks enough. I got to say, I'm glad you brought up Selma, actually, because the end of Malcolm X, when they start cutting in the real life yeah. footage, the version yeah. of that in Malcolm X is good. And the version of it in Selma, I think, is really bad. Which like, one? The music? When they start cutting in uh, the archive footage at the end of Selma, I think it's really yeah. like, it's, it's when it falls it's apart. corny. Yeah. And like a crutch, and the Malcolm X one, I thought it was used much very, very, like in the again, like in a way that's actually works emotionally and isn't just like, hey, here's the two actors side by side. Didn't we do a pretty good job making them look like each other? A hundred percent. Yeah. The the end, it, it, the, the argument falls apart. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I again, like this is a movie I've seen hundreds of times. It's a movie that I actually can't watch the final thirty minutes of, and I couldn't do it this time either. It's just really tough um, to watch. I and, and I, it's different watching it today in thirty than it was when I was ten or twelve when I was watching it, or even younger than that. Uh, this came out me too. I, I was very very young. When this came out. I was I was watching it when I was like eight or nine. So like this is again a, yeah. a different movie to me now. But it's really very much effectual to me, and it got me a little emotional watching because it's really a movie about self-love and, and and more than the the islam stuff in it which you know obviously i don't practice but and, and i don't really like agree with the stuff say it is really about identity and, and loving yourself and being who you are and, and not letting someone take that away from you and that to me is the, is the strongest part of this movie and i just felt really emotional like watching it again because you know it's not too much different today no i'm glad you bring that up because when i was we, when you were talking about, was it a required reading and watching your household? It wasn't required in my household, but I went to an all black Catholic school, yeah. small school in high school. And we have a class that all of the um, black male students and the black um, girls in the, in the schools will take, it's called leadership. And 
we take it separately, but it teaches the same things pretty much. And that was the main thing when they made us watch this movie. That was what they wanted us to take away more than anything. Yeah. was about loving yourself and being true to who you are mm -hmm. more than anything. So I'm glad you brought it up. And that was the main reason that they not forced us, but that it was a required watch for a grade for a project that yeah. we had in the class. And we had to read the book as well, even, the autobiography of Malcolm. Even as strong as the ending of the movie with the kids saying, I'm Michael Max. Like yeah. that's I can't watch like, even think about it, I'm like, oh fuck, I can't I can't do it. Like it's really hard to watch because it's like you saw this man and how radical he was and, and maybe you know the movie did kind of sugarcoat a lot of the stuff that he did maybe it did but who who cares like the 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 main idea here is that this this man is revolutionary and this man wanted sought to empower black people by any means necessary no pun intended but also empower them within the community i think that's that's a big thing in the movie is that he empowered a community of people to do more and be more well, right. it, I think it was impossible uh, to not think of the scene in th throughout watching this movie. It was impossible to not think of the scene in uh, Boys in the Hood when yeah. uh, Fishburne's character uh, is like they're like kind of standing uh, like at that like at a corner store or something, and he's like it's, he like starts talking about and everybody gathers. Uh, yeah, yeah, and like the big crowd yeah. gathering. It felt, like it felt a, a lot like that. Yeah, the Furious style, Styles character is very – I mean, he looks like Malcolm X with yeah. the glasses and then the goatee and everything. Um, but I love what Spike did here where it was very – to make this at the height of his powers is an impressive feat nonetheless. Most people veer going to more mainstream corporate um, exception or acceptance and making like a big blockbuster or something. But he leaned into this black radical framework that, in, you know, sort of – inspired and influenced and informed his art and i love in the same vein as um do the right thing this movie is not concerned with coddling white viewers and no. and <laughs> I, I don't think it sugarcoats it at all and literally, literally the first quote first message of the movie is that white people are the biggest criminals in, yeah. in the world and then Gray, when the woman walks up to him and says like i'm a well-meaning person what can i do to help me nothing and walks away yeah <laughs> and you know, he, the white the white man is the greatest thief. He can't deny the charges. You can't deny the charges. We are living proof of these charges. Is a real quote. Um, and I I I think Spike, you know, as most people do, they kind of soften in their older age. But he here he is our age. He's in his early thirties making this, and it's like, you know, he does a good job tying into the sort of how. The, the imperialist, the American imperialist project affecting black people at home, um, the war against poverty turned into a war against black people, and I don't know. It, it just goes through painstaking detail to really honor what this guy stood for and not try to sugarcoat it or water it down to make him seem like he was uh, um, MLK's slightly angrier brother. Like, no, he was radically different, and it's and for a good reason. And I was there. And this like holy shit, like thinking like like I knew that he wasn't just MLK's like slightly like more radical like guy in the same category, but I knew that I had been that had been funneled into me yeah. societally to some extent. And so watching the movie was like other than it being like just an amazing like powerhouse from Denzel and Spike, 
it was like very, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know shit about Malcolm X before I watched the movie. Like I had a very vague idea of what his life had been like. You know, I had like no strokes. I kept waiting for them to introduce the crazy white guy who killed Malcolm X. Like I didn't even know how that had unfolded because of how, like little I'd been introduced to this by any public education. Yeah, yeah. White, like, white yeah. I remember like, the things I remember the most from my public education are history shit. Yeah. So come on. That's 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 really scary because I mean like that was a major issue with the movie when it came out. You gotta remember in 1992, we're around Reagan and Bush. You know, this movie came out during those presidencies, like during that presidency. Like, I think at the end of Bush one, beginning of Clinton, I think. Yeah. Like, Clinton yeah, this movie. Yeah, and, and you know, like it was very controversial to make a movie about African American struggles and African American uh, succeeding. You know, and 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 it being very anti-white, like 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 Eric, not anti-white. Well, it is kind of anti-white. Yeah, <laughs> like, being gatekept by white people. But I mean, what was funny is that there's actually going to be a, a white director directing this at first. That doesn't. And, yeah, not surprising considering that memo came out where they were like, uh, they wanted Julia Roberts to play Harry Tubman. Uh, yeah, kind of. How do you guys feel about Harriet, the movie? I haven't uh, seen it. I didn't see it. I mean, I saw uh, What? I mean, come on. I, it, I, I have no thoughts about it. I know, <laughs> I, I know the, the lead actress has said some disparaging things about African Americans because she's uh, British. And the, obviously the black experience is different here than it is in the UK. So that already had a bad, bad sting in my mouth, but like it there's, bums me out that these like black artists ha- have to talk about a real woman who led the a liberation for black slaves in the, through the lens of superheroes. Like every interview is just like, she was a superhero. I'm like, we all have baby brain. Like we don't yeah, like, this, this like, was not a, like, a real person. Regular, like yeah. she didn't have powers. Yeah. That was what was impressive. That's the impressive part. She was not a superhero. She had literally nothing and she led a a a, a an attack against white supremacy. It was it, honestly the fucking movie including the posters and, and shit and billboards, it looks like something from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> like and I don't I don't mean like the Robert Downey thing. I mean like it looks like a fake movie that would exist inside of the Tropic Thunder universe. Yeah, it, it looks terrible. Um, more Malcolm X. <laughs> uh, three hours, three hour movie. It is three hours, but it doesn't. It, it not felt it. It don't. It, it doesn't beat me down like I'm like a chore. Like, well, I I don't feel the first two hours do. No, not at all. Like the the, the stuff where he's becoming where he he's yeah. taking up his Hodge. And his origin story, yeah, his, his origin, so to speak, is really compelling. It's yeah. really, really great to see what he did in that time. Third act, after he goes on that pilgrimage, yeah. and I know what's about to happen, it gets real dark. Yeah, yeah. The last forty minutes, I was like, oh, they've already shown the Audubon Theater like in establishing shots. Like, how can this have this much of the movie left? And it, it is because like it does do the thing where after the true. Uh, narrative arc of the movie is over. It kind of becomes a more meta experience, like down to the um, I am Malcolm X scene. And so that does add a little bit of runtime onto the movie, but it doesn't make it, you know, it's not a, a, it gets worse and worse in terms of a a pleasant viewing experience as the movie progresses, obviously. 
Going to fucking the man's whole family's there when it happens. Yeah. yeah. That last that last act, like like Jay Fogg said, if you if you knew how it ended, like I said, when I saw it when I was younger, I didn't know. But like when I finally saw it again when I was probably like 12 years old, and then I saw it again when I got to high school, that last act for sure. Once you see him go, like you said, on the pilgrimage, there's like a sense of, of helplessness for sure yeah. watching it because you know how it ends. Yeah. That's why I can't watch. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like a ghost story. It's like, you know, the specter of Malcolm X is like hovering, even while he's alive, you know how this ends. Probably the most powerful use. I, I have not seen still as many Spike Lee movies as I would like to, even since we did the episode, but it had one of my favorite uses of his shot where the actor is on the scooter, on the scooter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like. Oh man, it was good. Yeah, like and even Bell's <laughs> like silent acting in that scene, like his 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 facial emoting is uh, is just fantastic. Now, Kim, how does that final thirty minutes? How did that, like how does that? It's hard for me. I like I said, I didn't finish the movie. This watching time. the assassination yeah. in there. Yeah, movie? yeah, I can't watch it. Like I'm, I don't know. Like I don't want to say I'm numb to it because like when I watch this movie, I watch it all the way through every time. But seeing it, the seeing it. In high school, when you finally, when I finally started to actually understand who Malcolm X was yeah. and what he stood for, it's like crazy. First of all, to, to think that he was, in essence, killed by his own people, yeah. like that's wild to me. And then how graphic the, the actual scene is, you actually see it's him, super graphic. Yeah, like they, you see him get shot the first time with the shotgun, and you see them walk up on him and shoot him again multiple times, and then you actually see the, the people or one of the people who like shot him gets carried outside of the the, mm -hmm. the the church or wherever it's at and like we to assume he gets beaten to death or whatever like i don't think he got i don't think he died in real life he but it I, watching it like there is nothing scarier than like just a mob of people like no. carrying someone he, off. he was only 39 years old yeah like you said his whole family was there his wife was there his children were there like for him to die in that manner just, just sickening, man. I, and I mean, you even think about things that happen today. Like you said, killed by his own people, like Nipsey. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's like really like it's like this shit still happens and it still happens in our communities. And it it, it really sucks. Like it's really hard to watch. It, it does call up those memories of things that literally just happened this year. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's really like interesting to, to see like what younger people think about this movie now. Like, I wonder how many young people know that this movie exists. Honestly. That's a good point. Like, how many people who were born in 1999 or 2001 have seen this movie? Like, I I, I would love to, to see what their reaction would be I really want to know if my... If I, that makes me wonder if my little sister has actually seen this film. She's 18 now. So, like, she'll yeah. be 19 in this coming month on December 9th. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's ever seen Malcolm X. I'm gonna be honest. That's crazy, because we're, we're not, like... Remember how Roots was like, Roots was like it. You had to go see it. We had to watch that in, in the same high school class. Yeah, right? I had to watch Roots yeah. every single night of it. Yeah, no, we don't have that anymore. No, we don't have any of it. Yeah, the um, to go back to the point of how he was murdered, it the the beauty of knowing the information that we do now. It's like, you know, that this might sound a bit tinfoil hatty. I don't think. I think to say he was killed by his own people is a mis a misnomer and misleading. Like knowing how 
the CIA and the FBI communicated with MLK yeah. and threatened to kill him. They said, you should kill yourself or we're going to release all these papers. Knowing how many FBI agents had infiltrated the NOI, the, the um, Nation of Islam. I mean, obviously the Nation of Islam did have like Scientology-esque like intimidation tactics and they took care of, you know, the people who spoke out against them. And Malcolm X leaving the, the nation definitely caused a huge chasm. But I, I legit think this was a FBI. I mean, especially they murdered Fred Hampton like a year later. Yeah. Okay. And, and like, I, I think this was a, a hit. And I, obviously, it was a black man who pulled the trigger. But there's a lot of speculation. Like, a lot of people want to paint Farrakhan as the person who ordered the hit. I legit think this was a a, a sleeper, like a, a, a an infiltrator of the FBI. In the the moment in the movie when he says he says like he's gonna stop saying it's just the Nation of Islam who's yeah. after him. I couldn't tell if he was saying that because like you're saying he thought literally like there was a conspiracy with more people involved or if he was saying that to try to be just less antagonistic. It's probably a healthy combo of both, but it's like Cointel Pro was in full swing then actively, yeah, trying, to, actively trying to break up. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Actively trying to split up the black Panther party, literally assassinated Fred, Fred Hampton. Breaking up the anti-war left, the hippie movement, like it. Did you finish reading Chaos? No, I haven't. Oh, you have. It, it's in my brain, like MK Ultra program. Like this all was happening in broad day. The the Church Commission released all this stuff in the last like twenty years. Like the CIA and FBI were actively infiltrating black radical groups and wanted. Like obviously, they couldn't have another white man kill um, Malcolm X the same way Lee Hart or um, Earl Ray James, James Earl Ray killed MLK. Because that would cause a civil war. But if you have another black person kill MLK, then it's a in, intra-racial ray, intra-racial war, and looks like you know the blacks are kill, quote unquote the blacks are killing themselves, and which is what they wanted to do with every yeah they want, that with, they want to do that every that's how they got the Black Panthers listed as a terrorist organization before the KKK. I don't know if I can sit and say that I think that it was a sleeper cell they killed Malcolm X. Just going off of what I've also independently read about with the nation at that time. I, I absolutely so where the nation was at that time. Yeah, his beef with the nation. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely think Elijah Muhammad is like is shitty. Oh sure, sure. The movie version of Elijah Muhammad definitely would have ordered the hit. Oh, he's he's very he's he's too mustache twirly for me in the movie. <laughs> he's very like I am evil. Like he's so bad. Yeah, it, um, it, it. Yeah, and it's and it is a thing of like the nation. You know, obviously, I have plenty of plenty of criticism against Farrakhan in the in the in the in the nation, and you know, Malcolm's sort of you know hodge away from from them is um, you know leads to a lot of a lot of bad feelings and 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 intense you know anger, but. I think Spike does a good job of, like Pat said, like planning enough of those little crumbs of like, I don't want to just say it's the nation because he saw what the intelligence communities were doing to black communities, especially left wing or radical black groups. Well, that, um, was working with the CIA. Well, they're saying that the guy in the nation was a CIA infiltrator. Like we're going, we're going real deep. <laughs> we're going, we're just, Third eye is open. And like that, that's that's sort of what this book Chaos Pat and Irene are talking about, where it's like it is impossible not to sound tinfoily when you talk about it. Like 
the obviously the the narrative that you are the the narrative you are fed is obviously bullshit. But if you suggest anything else, you sound like a crazy person. But like we know this was happening. Like they know the FBI was like literally trying to kill MLK before he was assassinated, and like Malcolm X was an even greater threat to quote unquote uh, quote unquote threat to to white America. So like I I I wouldn't doubt for a second. Honestly, I I'm excited for everyone to uh, watch the most recent episode of Watchmen. Oh yeah. <laughs> With there's, so there's some relevant themes. Third eye open. Uh Malcolm X the movie. Uh, we've talked very little about the movie. <laughs> but I think that it, I think that it's it's a fantastic conversation that we've had about it. Um I'm obviously keeping this in the video store. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um what say you, Kim? Uh I'm definitely keeping it. It's in my opinion, it's Spike Lee's crown jewel in my opinion yeah. i know do the right thing people love it and i love do the right thing as well and he has a bunch of other really good films but i think this stands alone at the top of his catalog um this is in my opinion denzel's greatest performance uh, in his out of all the movies i've seen from him this is his best performance i do think that he was robbed of an academy award for this role in for the role of malcolm x and i'm definitely keeping it in the video store what about you? Uh, yeah, you all. I, I'm completely in line with this. It's um, Malcolm making, or sorry, Spike making this um, like in his early 30s is like, like PTA level prodigy shit. Like P PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson making his magnum opuses in his like late 20s, early 30s. And yeah, yeah Resident Evil uh, Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> the joke that keeps on giving. But um, yeah, it, it you know coming right off of the heels of Mo Better Blues and like going back to back with Denzel here, not getting a single Oscar from this, but like Tom Hanks doing back to back Oscars in another Denzel movie, Philadelphia. Did, is Forrest Gump what won the Oscar? He won, it, yeah, he won. He went Philadelphia and then Forrest Gump Oscar. Oh, Forrest Gump sucks so bad for old people. Forrest Gump is terrible. It's for Republicans. But um, wow. It, it This is a masterpiece and Spike Lee – like I said, the, the the nation has Scientology level intimidation tactics. That's why they were protesting this movie. Oh, look, Eric, are you keep, are you keeping this movie or not? What the hell? Sorry, right, man. But let him get these bars off. Let him get, get the bars off. No, I love this movie so much, and there's so much for all the fire symbolism and the fire and rhythm and anger in this movie that is righteous and justified. There's so much love in this fucking movie. That's it, it, I'm surprised we're not talking about it all the time. Keep this fucking movie, Patrick. Uh, it's crazy that like any, I'm mean, like, I don't know how Spike has earned. I mean, I know some of his movies are not good, but I mean, it would be hard to, for anyone to make a movie this significant. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Okay. Are you keeping it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. What is wrong? With you? <laughs> we're, we're fired up over here. We, we ate a bunch of brownies and we're, uh, we're dragging our, our words here. <laughs> All right. So we're keeping Malcolm X. Yeah, res sorry, resoundingly. When I said it, when I said it would be hard for anyone else to make a movie this significant, that was a, an incredible endorsement. Uh, so we're keeping Malcolm X in the video store. We'll be right back on late fees with. I, I don't know where we're gonna go. We might just go through all of his movies. Because... We'll, we'll talk about Training Day, and then everyone can talk about their love of Denzel in whatever way they want. All right, fair enough. So we'll see you guys after the break. Peace. I must emphasize at the outstart that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is not a politician. That's right. That's right. So I'm not here this afternoon as a Republican, nor as a Democrat. 
not as a Mason, nor as an elk. Well, tell us what you here for. Not as a Protestant, nor a Catholic. That's right. Not as a Christian, on, nor a Jew. All right, not as a Baptist, nor a Methodist. Yes. In fact, not even as an American. Because if I was an American, the problem that confronts our people today wouldn't even exist. So I have to stand here today as what I was when I was born, a black man. Before there was any such thing as a Republican or a Democrat, we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Mason or an Elk, we were black. Before there was any such thing as a Jew or a Christian, we were black people. In fact, before there was any such place as America, we were black. And after America has long passed from the scene, there will still be black people. I'm going to tell you like it really is. Every election year, these politicians are sent up here to pacify. They're sent here and set up here by the white man. This is what they do. They send drugs in Harlem down here to pacify us. They send alcohol down here to pacify us. They send prostitution down here to pacify us. Why, you can't even get drugs in Harlem without the white man's permission. You can't get prostitution in Harlem without the white man's permission. You can't get gambling in Harlem without the white man's permission. Every time you break the seal on that liquor bottle, that's a government seal you're breaking. Oh, I say it, I say it again, you've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let us stray. Run amok. This is what he does. All right, we're back on Late Fees. Denzel Washington. What are we going to name this episode? Uh, the Pelican Bay? Yeah, I was going to say Shoe Program. 23-hour <laughs> lockdown. Uh, we went through... Malcolm X in the first 45 minutes of the episode, we are going to talk about a, a we're going to talk about a myriad of Denzel movies for the last half, beginning with 2001. Oscar, Eric, are you okay? He's okay. He's actually, I can't believe you could even hear that. He's very far away. So far away. <laughs> Eric is dying over there. We're doing 2001's Oscar winning Raining Day, a movie that won an Oscar that got a CRS TV spinoff that failed. Uh, starring Denzel. Wait, was that- it didn't fail. Bill Paxton, the God, rest in peace, passed away. Oh, I thought this. I was thinking of um the, the Lethal Weapon show. Part of <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I was thinking of Lethal Weapon. Pardon me, Bill Excuse Paxton. Me, sir. I'm so sorry. They, they they just ended the show right after that, huh? Yeah, they pulled the plug. Good. But they did like a role reversal. Like uh, Bill Paxton, the white guy, was like the crooked one, and then the young black. Oh, so, so it was real life then. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Denzel Washington, directed by Antoine Fuqua, one of Denzel's closest friends in the industry. Man, this is such an LA movie, right? It is such an LA movie, and it's such an LA movie because now most of the, or a good half of the neighborhoods that they're hanging out in in 2001 are not uh, like that anymore. So much of like Echo Park and uh, Westlake, and like uh, even over here a little bit, I think. uh, It's uh, totally different now. Well, it's interesting. When When I first moved to LA, 
um, I was given the opportunity to interview a rapper by the name of J305. And he took me on a tour. I, I met him. Uh, I, I met him at Dar Dorsey High School, which is like very sketch. And I was my first like two weeks here. <laughs> and uh, I was already kind of like, uh, should I be here? And we went through the jungles, which is where the the final climactic climax happens at. And I saw it, and it was it, it was crazy because he was like, you know, it's very really cool. It was an overcast day. He was like, if this was a sunny day, there would be people outside. So this is actually the perfect day for me to show you this because any other day we would not be coming out here. And yeah. know, I got to see the jungles in person. And, you know, it, it is very much the same. It's the, it's the one thing that from this movie is, as we said, a lot of it's gentrified. This is the one thing from this movie that has stayed intact. Yeah, yeah. Um, the general gist of it I, I essentially is a 12 hour period where, where uh, two LAPD officers go around and basically, it's like a day in the life movie. It's honestly yeah. like no plot. Purely one day. Yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, it's Ethan's first day on the job, and, and he's he's uh, he's linking up a with lot uh, with Alonzo <laughs> Harris, Detective Alonzo Harris, played by Denzel Washington, uh, who he seemingly has the 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 whole of LA eating out of the palm of his hands. Denzel is just so good here, man. There, I've seen this movie about a hundred times. I I can probably recount and, and retell the whole thing but um where were you guys the first time you saw this movie or what what was it because I, I remember there was like a large groundswell of people saying you have to see this movie when you were when i was younger where'd you guys first see this movie at um i was this is surprisingly enough one of the movies my parents absolutely did not let me watch when <laughs> I was younger. so i actually I actually saw this for the first time when we had got direct TV in our house. And, wow. You know, everybody get, we had our own cable boxes in our room. So me and my brother had our own. And this is before my parents <laughs> put the parental, parental lock, lock on it. So this was on Cinemax one night. You know, it's a, when, when it's a movie that you are not allowed to watch <laughs> and you get the chance to finally watch it in totality. I remember it was a Friday night. Yeah. Me and my brother, I was like 11. So Kyle had to be like eight. Yeah. And we watched this one night, bro. Incredible! Like, yeah. like it left it left a, a mark on me for sure. Yeah, like, definitely, uh, definitely seeing um, Eva Mendes oh, yeah. in the third act at, at the end definitely leave a mark on you. And also, any movie you're not allowed to watch is probably also on Cinemax, one hundred percent. Especially after nine o'clock. Yeah, after nine o'clock, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely it's on, on Cinemax. What about you, Pat? Honestly, I first time seeing it was in the last five years. Wow! I so I saw it in LA. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> I actually I didn't know really like I knew kind of what the movie was about, but I thought that like the two of them together had a bad day. I didn't quite realize like that's so it funny. was Denzel like fucking with Ethan so much. But I mean, it's a delightful movie. Yeah, I um I was fourteen going on fifteen when I saw this, and uh, yeah, it, it's so funny to think about like the shit that we were kind of forbidden to watch, forbade to watch uh, uh, as kids or like when you seek something out in college and it's like, this movie fucking rips. Like they usually end up, you rewatch as 30 year olds, you know, like you kind of reinterrogate. Yeah, like, like now this is club or something. Yeah. It's like, like problematic or it doesn't age well. Yeah. Like this shit. I mean, like obviously the, he, you know, it gets a little like, you don't deserve this badge kind of thing, but like, <laughs> but it's so fucking good, man. Like, it, it's insane. It takes huge swings. It's 
funny at times. It's uh yeah, Denzel is just a fucking force. I mean, Denzel, even in the serious scenes, Denzel is having so much fun that yeah, you have to laugh at it. Yeah. Like it's funny just because it's like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, he's he's playing against type. We're usually seeing him as like the handsome, suave, good guy. Here he is, like Yeah. And then <laughs> And uh, here he is being like a legitimate wolf. It's like it's 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 it's, it's exhilarating. I want to see you. I wish he played more bad guys. Yeah, I do too. Um, Dr. Dre's in this movie. Yeah, Talk, talking like how Dr. Dre raps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable. It's my favorite part of the movie. Um, a lot of like, really typecast Latino actors are in this movie as well. Like it's like the Latino actor that you see in this movie that's always playing the same person in every movie. He's in Bruce yeah. Almighty. The yeah, guy was in, yeah, like he's in in this film. He deserves a freaking Oscar, I think. For for <laughs> guys, is it is it? I can't. I don't know his name. I don't even know his name. But they're they're like in literally every LA movie. This guy is in. Yeah, and I'm uh, saying, he needs an honorary Oscar. No, he he's a great character actor, and it sucks he gets um, pigeonholed into playing like quote unquote gangster number two or Joel. whatever. Yeah, he's told number one or whatever. Yeah, his name is Noel Guglielmi. Guglielmi. Yes, he plays uh, Moreno in this movie. Moreno, who again gets an unexpected, uh, probably inappropriate laugh in one of the more intense scenes of the movie, where he has a double ba- double barrel shotgun in Ethan Hawke's mouth in the bathtub, <laughs> and. You know, they, they haven't pulled out the wallet yet, the wallet that exonerates him and proves that he saved their niece's um, life from, from two drug addicts. Such a great, such a great callback. Also. Yeah, it's a great – and it's so, it doesn't – it feels so warranted and earned. Like it doesn't feel like this cheap little thing that, you know, it, it actually works. It's it's so subtle and fun. But uh, Bro, he reprised the character in the show. King. Six episodes. King. Really? Yeah, fuck yeah. That's I love that. <laughs> he, oh, he's also in Mayans, I'm seeing. Uh, the the uh, the Sons of Anarchy uh, spin-off. Yeah, I will say he clearly never had the uh like the breakthrough he should have, maybe, but he has done a he's lot putting, of work. Yeah, he's a working actor in every sense. But he for some for no reason. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is pleading for his life, like saying how much, please don't kill me. I have a daughter. I love my daughter. And like they got this the steel pressed up against Ethan Hawke's face. And Moreno just calls him the F word for no reason. Like that's what you're going to call this guy? Like you're about to blow his head off and he's like saying, please don't kill me. I have a daughter. And you say, shut up. F hard F bomb. Very hard F bomb. Um, I, I mean, I, I love this movie. Not much – about it needs to be said that that no one already knows. I mean, I yeah. think that performances are spectacular. Ethan Hawke is again underrated, but next to the sheer magnitude of Denzel Washington, yeah. I think that people forget about his performance. Yeah, he um, yeah, to hold your own against like prime Denzel is that no small feat. Like that's he got nominated for an Oscar too, which is you know people forget too. But um, yeah, he he's unbelievable in it. There, it's a it's a perfectly cast movie. Uh, Denzel also won Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards for this. That's, right. That's great. And th- this is when uh, the MTV Movie Awards mattered. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really, they really freaking did matter at one well, point. The VMAs and the Movie Awards for, like, I don't know, until I don't know, about 2013, they stopped mattering. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they had a good run. Great run. Yeah. And then they became about, like, it just became like PR, marketing time. Yeah, PR. Yeah. yeah, PR for people. But like even like Spider-Man winning Best Kiss, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Best Kiss is probably one of my favorite uh 
Cause remember the first time they did like a a, a girl girl best kiss win? Oh, you they, horny horny. <laughs> controversial. It was. I was like, wow, they're doing. They're showing this on TV. That's crazy. Powerful moments happening on MTV. I was a kid, man. I was a kid. Uh, training day. Love this movie. Keeper. Yeah, a plus. A plus. I mean, not a plus, but definite keeper. Absolute keeper. One hundred percent keeping it. Uh, Denzel's last monologue in the movie. Oh yeah. Iconic. It is. It's something you can't even like. It is as good as it's become. Like as it's iconic and it's as good as it. it, it yeah. People think it is. Yeah, it's a perfect piece of pop, like pop filmmaking. Yeah. I have seen. I'm looking at his filmography. I think I have seen nearly every Denzel Washington movie. So I'm gonna bounce around. Okay. Uh, let's, go, let's go back first to He Got Game. Incredible, incredible performance as a father who is <laughs> let out of prison for murder to go convince his son that he has not seen in years to go to big state. To get and he could get pardoned. Like the story is so outlandish. <laughs> this is so by my excitement how much I love this movie. Ray Allen is awful as an actor. Like he right is Ray Allen literally reading a teleprompter in like every scene is what it feels like. I love this movie so much. See Ray Allen's thing. Exactly. I love this movie so much. It it absolutely should not work at all. But it's incredible. And him as Jake Shaw, watching Denzel play basketball is come incredible. On. Like, come on, man. It's like, terrible. And the fact, like, the story that he actually, the the last game, he was not supposed to, like, score that many points on Ray Allen. But, like, they kept the camera rolling. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the story. Spike Lee told the story. And Denzel was told as well. Like, that last scene where they played one-on-one, when he was actually scoring on him at first. Yeah. Like that wasn't a part of the script, but like they just kept the camera rolling, and Ray Allen actually got mad <laughs> while they were like filming the scene, and he, he he took it serious. And that last dunk where he put the shoulder into him, yeah. like that was like, hey, you're not about to beat me, on set, bro. Like, I'm Ray Allen, like you're Denzel Watch. Like it's incredible. That's like, tremendous. I love the movie. Incredible movie. Uh, remember the Titans. Most shown movie in schools of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I could do entire scenes from this movie by myself. Like, if you gave me the first line to a scene, I could go probably on a couple of the scenes in the movie all the way through. It it's, has, a great, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. And it has, like, it definitely, I think if we watched it today, it probably would have some uh, both sizing aspects, I think, to it. But uh, I think even despite that, it probably is still for being like what might be kind of like a cornball race movie by today's standards, like pretty good. And the part when Denzel is talking about, uh, it's one of my favorite moments in a movie, honestly, when he's like, uh, I want you to be wearing a suit. If you don't own a suit, buy one. If you can't afford one, borrow from one from your old man. If you don't have an old man, find a drunk and trade him for his. I just remember thinking, like, what are you gonna trade him? Like, trade the drum. This is the first movie that made me cry. My parents, we went to the movies to see. I remember seeing this in theaters, and when Bertier got in the car accident, yeah. and like seeing him and uh, Wood Harris character, like that exchange in the hospital. Like, I remember as a kid, like that for some reason, like really, yeah. Made, like it really. I think I've seen this movie like just once, though. It's like manipulation. <clears throat> it was one of my favorite movies for it. Yeah. It's like my least watched Denzel movie. Uh, John Q. If you want to talk about crazy storylines, yeah, there's another one. John Q. <laughs> John Q was a must see movie in high school. Yeah, John Q is wild, especially now. Like, I it's love Casabetti's movie. Oh, yes, Nick. yeah, Nick, his crazy son. Um, I think it's so funny that 
the John Q gif is literally tweeted every day when like someone who is trending that you worry died. It's like they oh yeah <laughs> where Denzel grabs his chest, like well, thank God that Betty White's still alive. Or he he doesn't have to give up his heart at the end, right? So he no. his son gets a different heart. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's it. Spo- spoiler to- alert for yeah. John Q. Sorry, <laughs> major <laughs> major John Q. Spoilers. Um, like, can we just be clear here that his black ass would have got shot if this is real? Oh yeah, especially today. One hundred percent. He would have. And, and, but I mean, you know, the movie does have very sweeping uh, comments on HMOs and insurance and healthcare that is still going today. So I, I think that's where it is. Yeah, does. John Q is a, a a Medicare for all movie, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it is. Big thumbs up from Eric. Um. Can we talk about Man on Fire for two seconds because I watched it? Yeah, yeah, you could. We could talk. I was just gonna get there. I was gonna skip over Antoine. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's uh, it's not uh, Man on Fire. I Tony Scott makes some weird editing choices, man. Oh yeah. Uh, the scenes in the movie that like just become like music videos for thirty seconds and then like you <laughs> come back into the same scene. I thought the movie was shot really well, and I really liked the way they did the the subtitles in the movie too. Or the moving subtitles. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It was it, it like really uh, directed the action in those scenes that were just like they were conversational otherwise. Uh, really, honestly, the relationship between him and Dakota Fanning was pretty believable. Pina. And who? Got, good God, uh, Mark Anthony's a bad actor. Yeah, I'm glad he uh... <laughs> he hung it up. Um, <laughs> really, really, really uh, like that. I, I hate that Creasy dies at the end, man. He's such a badass. Yeah, you know, I, I would say actually the ending, he's such a badass. And he, like, I didn't want him to like marry the mom and like be Peter's new dad or anything. Yeah. But like, couldn't he, like, it's one of those movies where like him dying at the end doesn't really like make the point that like, oh, and he's finally at rest. Like no, he can go be their bodyguard like in America and be happy. Like yeah, he, a better I, ending. I didn't feel as though he needed to die no, there. It, it was he just found really... a sense of purpose in Peter. I feel like yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it was also he was heading towards the abyss anyway. It was like this was a a way out for him that he could go on his own terms instead of like being consumed by the bottle or the depression, whatever whatever it was. It was uh, yeah. He had to go. I mean, it was like the most Jesus savior moment, like figures. <laughs> Jesus your moment, you know. When the dot is when before they uh, are gonna shoot him, and the dot, the sniper dot is on the scar on his hand. It's like no, I know. <laughs> um, Inside Man from two thousand and six, another Spike Lee joint. There, you know, there. Hanger. I think Eric and I probably keep praises on this during the Spike episode, but yeah, uh, I love this movie. I love it, and honestly, even though I joked about Clive being better the other day. Uh, Denzel is like far and away the the better part. Okay, okay let's let's start this conversation here, man. <laughs> let's start the conversation here because I, I pose this, and I'm gonna we're gonna pose this on Twitter as well when this episode comes out. Denzel Washington is always the best actor in his movies. It's very it's very short list of guys who even be able to like we said. Ethan Hawke put up a valiant effort. I do believe Russell Crowe put up a good fight. In I was just looking at that, Cammy. They, they didn't have enough scenes together, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. They all together that final moment. No, but I think Russell Crowe in American Gangster put up a very, very good performance. But I agree. It, it's not many times where Denzel has been. And if we want to bring actresses into it, I believe Viola Davis had the uh, standout performance. Mila Kunis washed him in Book of Eli. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. Chill out. I'm saying, like. 
Denzel from <laughs> even the movies like Ricochet. Yeah. With him and John Lithgow, who's who's playing the Joker basically in the movie. Yeah. He's like Ricochet's a fucking crazy movie, and Denzel is all in on it. They yeah. fucking tie him up to a bed, inject him with heroin, and make him have sex with a hooker. And then she gives him herpes. Like that's Whoa, I've movie. never seen Ricochet. This sounds awesome. Dog, Ricochet is I oh my bad. I'm sorry for spoiling that. But well, Ricochet, it's okay. he gets herpes though. You can't get rid of that. Ricochet is in it's an insane movie. Ice T is in it. It came uh, out. In, uh, it came out in 1991, a year before Malcolm X. Okay, the, I'm looking at the poster for Ricochet, and I can't even like most of the poster is someone's giant face in like red lighting. It's I Lithgow. think it's Lithgow, but it honestly could be anyone ever. <laughs> it's Lithgow, but you know, uh, I also love that Ice T is top build on the on the poster. I recommend if if you guys haven't gotten to it, uh, Roman J Esquire, Israel Esquire. Um, Movie we were all done. We're not there yet. Not yeah, I, I like I like went in on, on the trailer. I was like, this movie looks so fucking bad. And I watched it. It's incredible. It's a great like procedural, like law procedural movie. It got nominated for Golden Globes. How could you hate it? I think he got nominated for an Oscar too. How could you hate it? Okay. Uh, Colin Farrell goes toe-to-toe with him in it too. We just talked about it, so might as well get to it. American Gangster. Seemed like a classic at the time. Uh too long. Yeah. I love this movie. There are aspects of it that I love. Want to be like you, Uncle Frank? <laughs> you said that's alpaca. You blocked that shit. Yeah, I love the. I love that line. <laughs> love Ti being from Atlanta in this movie. Ti <laughs> <laughs> clearly being Ti. Do you feel as though Denzel should have won an Oscar for this movie? Uh, who this was 07. Oh, so probably the 08 Oscars. Let's look up and let's look and see who, who was nominated. Well, this movie wasn't even nominated for that, it was only nominated for best supporting actress with for Ruby D and best art direction. That's great that Ruby D got nominated. That's very rare that, like, uh, especially an older black woman getting nominated for such a unshowy, unflashy part. That's well, a, little, a lot of people were like, Well, it was because she passed away right before that. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. To be fair, uh, the winner of actor this year may have been the best acting performance uh, of our lives, which was Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis and There Will Be Blood. So uh, that was a, a good one. Yeah, it's hard to say he should have won this year. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, but then didn't, didn't, didn't get the uh, – well, I think that they wanted this movie to, to aspire to higher than it really got. I think Yeah, were- it was one of those ones that fell through. They were like, this is a big awards movie, and it like wasn't at all. Yeah, but- there, there's something also just uh, cosmically funny about Jay Z, like in, in, in inhabiting this fake care or this fictional portrayal of a real person and releasing an album like right when Denzel drops this movie. It's because they wouldn't let him play Frank Lucas. Yeah. He like really wanted. He was him. like, let Denzel have this shine. He like, he like, it, it was just such like a. I mean, the album's great. Don't get it's me wrong. It's one of the best Jay Z. Yeah, I know, but it's just so like Jay Z like just couldn't help himself. Like made this. Great Denzel movie about him. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it was a, it was the it was a uh, it was a way for Jay Z to come back and start talking about drugs after being like I'm such an adult, and then him just yeah. being like, okay, whatever art, and then he just talks about paintings for the rest. Yeah, of Yeah, it's like movie. he couldn't. He was like too scared to just like make a regular concept album, so he made one about like a, a blockbuster yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> like a movie. <laughs> I think it's even funnier that he said, "Wow, this movie is crazy. I'm gonna make an album about it." And it's like this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's because 
it, like at the time jay-z like saw himself like he really thought he was frank lucas like a drug yeah, dealer no, totally. who became like, a real businessman but none of the actual songs from the no from the jay-z not, movie. Not movie no it's because they couldn't like clear any of the stuff and they also said like when he was making the album like we don't know how much of this like you can use stuff from the movie but we don't know if we're using anything from your album it was like a in along came polly when philip seymour hoffman he keeps saying that he is they're filming an e true hollywood story right. but he really just has hired a camera crew and he's gonna send <laughs> the footage to e that's like what jay-z did with this album <laughs> um let's go into this decade with the book of eli eric you did watch this movie it's like i don't even like waste the bandwidth of like talking about it it is a, an, an affront against god it is, <laughs> it is it is such a denzel it, it's almost embarrassing because denzel has such good taste and self-control that he doesn't you, you know why he did you know why he did it for the check no it's for the, the hughes brothers directed it that's why he did it yeah i know he's, he's doing a favor but it's also probably a fat check and like it but that's like why i like denzel like where he doesn't take that many swings creatively as far as like the roles he takes he has in his earlier career but he's kind of been cruising the past few years but like fences aside fences is amazing but it's like we like you because you don't just say yes to everything and obviously yeah the Hughes direct bros directing it probably was a good sway for him but it's like this is an embarrassment like him and Gary Oldman just like chewing scenery Mila Kunis not knowing what she's doing <laughs> uh, that's that's mostly her career yeah, it's, um, yeah, awful, awful, god awful movie. Like not oh, even charming, not even so bad that it's charming. It's just bad. It's uh, well, that's I'll, rare. I'll tell you this: this movie on an eighty million dollar budget made back one hundred and fifty seven million. They could have done a sequel if they wanted to, Eric. How, was that worldwide or domestic? Worldwide. I mean, that's they probably that means they probably broke even. Yeah, like, with with advertising. Yeah, like usually you have to like. It was heavily advertised. Hey, that sounds like hate, Cam. That sounds like hate. <laughs> <laughs> on this side of the video store uh telephone or or can where we're talking the show, this sounds like hate to me Justin, i can't believe you skipped over the remake of taking of pelham one two three that we talk about it yeah that, that movie is insane to me the remake never, yeah. you know why i've never seen it the, the original is fantastic so good but it's the last it's the last like non straight to dvd travolta made i think like it's so weird to see him like in like a big budgeted mainstream movie i watched it again recently uh before we decided we were doing denzel it's like he has he's bald he has a goatee he's like it's he, he's huge villain travolta yeah huge villain travolta um let's see what's next what do i want to what do we want to touch on Light. next lights a banger is that the Can't one? Like like. Can't it was it, it it wore me down like it literally broke me down bro flight did most movies about addiction do yeah, that, that movie. What, what did he? Was he drunk? Yeah. What's the, he was? Uh -huh. Yeah, he was an alcoholic pilot. Yeah. Oh, oh, going back to our OG convo, John Goodman goes toe to toe with Denzel really good in that scene. That's actually, that actually is a good one, Eric. That is pretty true. John Goodman was really good. We'll see. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Well, I'll be the judge of that. I, I again, but y'all aren't saying you guys aren't saying definitively. Yeah. That John Goodman was better than him, though. And these are this is only like four movies we've been able to name in like his whole filmography. Like, 
Dog, we're not even talking about unstoppable where he is. He is next to uh, Chris Pine. (laughs) (laughs) Is unstoppable the one where like, I didn't see unstoppable, but I remember the trailer having like some moment in it when it's like, they literally say like, this dude's unstoppable. (laughs) This This movie on an 80 to $100 million budget made back 167. Denzel makes money. Yeah. He's going, he's going to get past the budget. He's going to clearly. It's uh, he's just movie star. Yeah, He is a true movie star. And it's like the, the movie star doesn't really exist anymore, but he has always been bankable. That's so crazy to me. Uh, let's let, but let's talk about two guns. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I look. Say what you will. This, yes. is, this is a fun fucking movie. It is, fun. it is fun. It is very very fun. I thought it was way better than people gave it credit for. It I only- I know the guy who wrote it. Actually, I worked with him for a long time. That's crazy. Mike Blaster, Blake Masters. Yeah. I said Mike Blaster. Mike Blaster. Blaster. We're gonna bring that. We're we are like uh, it has it has arguably one of the funniest funnest. And best choreographed fight scenes between him and Mark Wahlberg, where they're like punching each other through the car windows, and like Denzel throws a punch, but like punches the rearview mirror and like hurts his hand, and they tackle each other out of the car. It's fun his, as fuck. His name is like Beans in it, right? Like his, his name is Beans, Bobby, Bobby Skaggs or some shit. <laughs> it's <laughs> so special cold. agent Bobby Trench. Yeah, it's, Trench. So, it's also so like 2012, 2013, like yeah. that style back in the day that it's like very like obvious that it's like this is from a time. Another movie cross the budget, sixty one million. It made back one hundred and thirty one million. This dude just makes money. Yeah, that's that's a that's a uh, that that's a good profit on uh, on a movie like that. Yeah, totally. Like mid budget action movie with Mark Wahlberg. So let's get to uh, the Equalizer Part One. Okay, <laughs> Justin's been biting at the bit. Great film. This, because you know what, this this film signaled his resurgence. Because a lot of people would say that, like, even though I've been reading off like the box office stuff, like review wise, they weren't really re- well received movies. These last, yeah, movies. you're you're totally right. Like, not so, at all, really. So I take the Equalizer as like really like a a resurgence for him because it 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 not only like got a really good approval rating and people really liked the movie, but it was also like, yo, it's Denzel doing something completely different. He's like John Wick. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this is like him transitioning into his Liam Neeson stage, but not as embarrassing. Well, and, and you know why I love these movies? And and I love part two, which I'll talk to a little bit here just so that we don't have to go to it. Like, it is clearly Denzel and, and Antoine Fuqua saying, well, if these white dudes can do it, why right. can't you do it? Yeah, this is, this is taken mode. Yeah, like, like why can't he do it and, and then do it better? I, I think these movies are dripping with just absolute style. I love Denzel's character in them. I love the fact that he doesn't get he doesn't get shot. He doesn't get punched in the face. He doesn't get hit in any of these movies. <laughs> He's completely invincible. He's ahead of you at all times. There's a part in the Equalizer Part 2, and this is no spoilers, but he finds out that someone has betrayed him. He goes to their house because he, he took the phone from the guy who tried to kill him that the guy sent him sent after him. He calls him, the, the guy who betrayed him, on the phone <laughs> in his house. While his while his wife and kids are in the house, so he goes out to the as to the mercenaries that are that are following him, trying to kill him. His wife is going to take the kids to go to to go eat or something like that, and he, then he tells like Denzel looks at the wife and says, "So you said you could take me to uh, to the bus stop or something like that." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll take you." So he takes the guy's kid, picks the kid up, and says, "I'll see y'all later," and then goes into the wife's car and she then drives away. How could you hate these movies? I I'm gonna see him. I uh, 
is I honestly just didn't. He he really. You're kind of right though. Like equalizer, magnificent seven fences. Roman J equalizer two. Okay, here they they made a pit stop between equalizer and equalizer two to do magnificent seven. Did anybody? Did you guys see this movie? I saw like seven. Kizilato um, wrote it. Uh, Fuqua written again. Fuqua uh, directed. Pizzolatto. Yeah, directed. I thought it was fun, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you, man. I saw Chris Pratt was in it and said I couldn't see it on religious region reasons. But, but Ethan Hawke is in it too. That's true. And Vincent the the D'Onofrio. Yeah. Man, yeah. actually, there's a, there's a lot of good people in this. Yeah, it's, uh, stat, it's a stat. Cast. I, I want to see this. It's it's really fun. I thought it was really really fun. Uh, once again. He 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 don't do under budget, baby. It it it, it, it shattered the budget, baby. Yeah, that, that was a hit. I remember it being a pretty moderate hit. Uh, and then we get to Fences, his most recent. Movie. I can't believe he has it. Well, other than Equalizer Two, which we talked about, he he's been relatively quiet this year. Fences was pretty good. I have not seen Fences though. I, this breaks my streak of seeing every uh, Denzel movie. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it either, unfortunately. Um. Like I said earlier, I think Viola Davis is the true star in this movie, but Denzel m- more than holds his own. Like I just think Viola Davis was that incredible here. But okay, I'll give I'll give you her. It's one hundred percent worth watching. It's one hundred percent worth watching, and you you get a a typical good Denzel. For the thing with Denzel at this point, for me, like I don't know if, how you guys feel about it, but I just feel like at this point in Denzel's career, I've seen him so many times, it feels like I'm watching Denzel play Denzel. Yeah. Movies. Like, yes, absolutely. That is his one, if we can have one knock against him, it's that he doesn't lose himself in these characters. It's like you know you're watching him all the time. Yeah. But, but it also, even when you know it's him, it still doesn't take you out of the movie really. Yeah. Which is also like that's a, a point back to him. But um, yeah, Fences, like I was expecting Fences to be overly theatrical because it is based on the August Williams play. I was going to say, it literally. Yeah, yeah it like, literally is a theater piece. And like theater pieces just play to the back of the house or big, bold performances. And But man, that movie, I, you know, we talk about my dad a lot on this pod and how his, uh, <laughs> he hasn't, he, he sort of, you know, drifted, drifted away from us the older he's gotten uh, politically. But he, I remember he like called me after he watched this. He was like, fuck, man. It's a great movie. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's like a couple movies here. Like he loved Get Out and Fences, and I'm just like, all right, wow. okay. There's hope, there's hope for you still. Okay, Rich. Yeah, Rich. But uh, I, I think Denzel. I I, I I like Denzel's performance here as like uh, maybe because it is like a a dad who doesn't love you, but um, will take care of you. That's his one. He's like, my job isn't to love you; it's to you know make sure you have a roof up your head. That's really all I'm. Up required to yeah. do. Uh, there, there's some power to that, and um, yeah, I, I like Viola. I think again that overly theatrical performance kind of bugs me, where it's like snot bubbles and stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, where Denzel went the other direction, like they weren't like chewing scenery, clashing. Like he went quiet and somber and and reserved, but he would be big and explosive and angry, um, in a way that really really hit me in the chest. Yeah, so you'll keep that. Oh, we keep fences. Yeah, we keep it fences. And he uh, directed it too. Like I think August Williams or Wilson said he only wanted a black person to direct it. So um, Denzel was like the right right guy for it. Yeah, that's why I don't know if he directed it. Yeah. So I think to sum this up, um, Denzel is an absolute legend, a god, if you will. I want to I want to start a new wing for late fees. I want to do the Hall of Fame section. 
in our video store. And I've been thinking about this for a while. I want to put Denzel as the first entry into the late fees Hall of Fame. Worthy entries for the yeah. No he argument. No allowed there. in. Yeah, no argument there. <clears throat> it's funny, me and Justin would like, I think around flight era, which was what, 2012? Yeah, 20. Uh, yeah. We used to like dunk on Denzel. We'd be like, he's playing, he's like not spreading his wings anymore. He's doing the, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Uh, but there's it's like it's like the Kobe thing. It's like you can make fun of the man sometimes, but you know he's one of the gods, and yeah, uh, he's one of the best to ever do it. He, he's gonna drop 50 on you, right? Yeah, you know, you're gonna get dropped on uh, Denzel, uh, the Denzel picture, and honestly, like the the era that like a lot of like it's funny like he did like equalizer and equalizer two and justin you're saying it's him and fuqua kind of like saying like hey like all these like old washed up white guys who actually are way worse than denzel can do it we can do it too but a lot of the guys who like had that type of thing and then like made a bunch of movies like liam neeson has made a million shitty versions of the taken movies that aren't actually the taken movies but like Denzel's career is kind of the opposite of that and that he made like uh, a bunch of movies kind of like Equalizer in the 2000s and they're all or a lot of them are actually pretty good like I mean Train John Q out of time man I'm fucking train candy inside man deja vu like these a lot of them feel like yeah. the same fucking movie but they're all really on brand and like a handful of them are real good absolutely so uh there you have it folks he has been inducted into the Late Fees Hall of Fame's wing of the video store right next to the porn. Uh, <laughs> He's one of the only, like Eric was saying, the, they, there aren't many movie stars left. Like the, even the, the famous young actors aren't like the movie star thing is over. And Denzel is one of the biggest ever. You know what's crazy about that? Denzel has been paired up with a bunch of these so-called guys that were supposed to replace him. Chris Pine, uh, Wahlberg, Wahlberg, all of these people. I Wahlberg kind of has it, but he's not young enough to not have it, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he's been paired up with a bunch of these guys already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. He was in a – okay, yeah, Chris Pine in Unstoppable. He had uh, Safe House. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah, Safe House. Fuck. Yet another guy that was supposed to be a guy that was supposed to replace him, and he's outlasted them all. And I think that, you know, it, it just goes to show, like, this guy, is, he, he is forever. Like He's he, in a lane of his own. It, absolutely. Like, he, he is a guy. But, I mean, I think the only guy that, like, next to him that really popped off and, and was able to, to, to pull that off was, was Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to, to bring this full circle, I was going to make a, a joke at the very top when we were talking about what Denzel meant to, you know, black audiences growing up like i was gonna say he was like he's like black tom hanks like he's like the everyman who you would see in every movie and be like you would you would be you would feel assured that you were in good hands Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i mean like like when you see tom hanks growing up he it's like a there's a softness and a kindness to him but there and a warmth and he's i mean obviously denzel's much better looking but like he does he's not so good looking that you're like intimidated by him. Yeah, he's not yeah. he's not like Brad Pitt, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a there's a every every man quality to him that he could be, you know, a snide lawyer in Philadelphia or Malcolm X or a cop or you know, a crooked cop or you know, some uh, a scientist in Deja Vu or whatever. It's um Man, the Malcolm X thing, his cadence 
like his mimicking of Malcolm's cadence, yeah. like that's more important than looking like somebody. That shit was amazing. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, the, yeah, I can I can look past like facial recognition if like you are embodying what he represents. Yeah, I love Denzel Washington. Yeah, and, he's, he's he's one of the best, man. I'll make jokes all day, but he's he's. Probably, you can make so many jokes because he's so good. Yeah, he's he's a uh, unfuckwithable. So um, it is. It is now the end of this episode of Late Fees. Uh, I believe our next episode will be Adam Sandler, correct? Yeah. So uh, hopefully I get a chance to see Uncut Gems. Before. Yeah, I think I think it would even be worth releasing the episode on a slightly off-kilter schedule to include the gems. Uncut Gems. Well, when does it come out? I don't know if we can do that. When it comes, the episode would come out two weeks from Friday, which is the same day that Uncut Gems comes out. So we could see it and just record, like just release it Saturday or Sunday instead of Friday. I think that might be the safest bet. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, that's the safest bet. So next episode will possibly come out on the 14th? 14th or 15th. It'll be out that weekend and so we can all talk about Uncut Gems, which is a huge fucking deal for Sandler, obviously. For Eric. For Eric. For Eric. Yes. I'm going to send to heaven right as we finish. <laughs> I've never resurfaced anything! <laughs> so we are winding down on, on 2019 on late fees. Uh, you know, big year for us. A lot of, a lot of cool things happen. Uh, going into 2020, we have a lot more things happening and a lot more things happening with RNC Radio as well. We have a couple of new shows dropping, including Chatting with Nelson that dropped this week. Uh, including myself. and I'm, I'm being interviewed, guys. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, I believe it. Uh, it's a really good episode, though. I talk I talk about everything. I talk about the formation of RNC, what it is, uh, the goals of it. And I talk about a little bit of wrestling stuff there, but I also say a lot of really nice things about uh, you fellas on this show as well. Um, Thank you. We also have new episodes of The Lookout, new season of The, of, of the Lookout dropped this week as well. As, as well as shirts. I'm just going to say that today, as you're listening to this on Black Friday, we have a new drop of merch from The Lookout. Um, make sure you check it out at rncradio.bigcartel.com. Check it out. Put some money in our pocket so that we can give you more sweet ass content, like stuff that you're hearing right now. Um, and we also have a new episode of RSPN with Mark and Jeff. Shout out to them. Uh, is there going to be a Mount Silver for Pokemon Sword and Shield? Pat? Yeah, it's have, going to be out very soon. The I only thing that's going to prevent it is uh, uh, my Wi-Fi upstate, but uh, we'll figure it out. I have opinions. I'm sure I know you do. I have opinions, and and you know what? If you guys don't invite me on the show, I might just make my own show to talk yeah. about. Oh, we'll 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 invite you on. Okay, so uh, Apex Power Hour. Toxapex, uh, Dragovish, who is the most broken Pokemon in the world, our, but we'll talk about that uh, when, when we get to that. Tune in. So tune into that. Tune into Late Fees. Uh, in two weeks, we'll be talking about Adam Sandler and also Uncut Gems. Uh, thank you all uh, for Pat, Cam, and Eric. I'm Justin signing off for Late Fees, and the video store is now closed. Peace. Goodbye. Yeah. So what if you flip a couple words, I could triple let them birds. Open your mind, you see the circus in the sky. I'm wrangling brothers, barnum and barely with the pies. No matter how you slice it, I'm your mother.
Just like a b-boy with 360 waves, do the same with the pot, still come back beige. Whether right or south par, whether pot or the jar, whip it around, it still comes back hard. So easily do a W-H-I-P, my repetition with wrists is to bring the kilo business. I got Creo-C-O, from my who slipped, became prisoners, treats take to the visitors. You already know what the business is, unnecessary commissary, boy, we lit it. Wanna bring the 80s back That's okay with me, that's where they made me at Except I don't write in the war I write my name in the history books Hustling in the hall Nah, I don't spin on my head I spend my work in the pot So I can spin my bread And I'm getting it, I'm getting it I ain't talking about it, I'm living it I'm getting it, straight getting it Get it, boy Seven state of mind that I'm in in my prime so for that time I'm rock Kim if it wasn't for the crime that I was in but I wouldn't be the guy who rhymes it is that I'm in no pain no profit P I repeat if you show me where the pot is cherry M3s with the top back red and green G's on on my hat North Beast leathers matching Gucci sweater Gucci sneaks on to keep my outfit together whatever hundred for the diamond chain can't you tell that I came from the dope game? Blame Reagan for making me to a monster. Blame Oliver North and I ran Contra. I ran Contra band that they sponsored. Before this rhyme and stuff, we was in concert. And I'm getting it, I'm getting it. I ain't talking about it, I'm living it. I'm getting it, straight getting it. Get it, boy. You got it, Bush, chef. chef, guess what I cooked, baked a lot of bread and kept bread. it off the books, rock star. rock star, look, way before the bars, my picture was getting took, feds, they like whack rappers, try as they made it, couldn't get me on the hook, uh, DA wanna redict me, cause fish scales in my veins like a Pisces, the Pyrex pot roll up my sleeve, turn one into two like a Siamese, twin when it ends, I'ma stand as a man, never dying on my knees, last of a dying breed, so let the champagne pop, I party for a while, now I'm back to the block. And I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I ain't talking about it, I'm living it, I'm getting it, straight getting it, Blue Magic. That's a brand name. Like Pepsi. That's a brand name. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. They know that, even if they don't know me any more than they know the, the, the chairman of General Mills. Amen. 